Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Campbell comes off the bench to be a hero. A superhero. Breakthrough. It's taken a while, but it's been worth the wait for Cardiff City. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Andy Campbell Football Show. This is episode number 80. The show is available live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. Ace Podcast Nation also your home to many other great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts and more. So please give us a follow on social media for information on upcoming shows and guests, as well as subscribe to the YouTube channel, best way to support us. And you can get the audio versions at all the usual podcast and radio platforms. And uh, just as we wait for the, the various platforms, live chats to fill up, a big thank you to, uh, of course, Black Diamond Sports uh, for all their support around the, both the Monday and the Friday show. Black Diamond Sports is a global sports agency representing sports stars from around the world. For more information, you can visit their social media pages and their brand new website. The links to it are all in the description and they seem to be announcing uh, new deals and expansions weekly. Uh, very exciting time for them. So give them a give them a follow on social media. Check them out. And uh, of course, as usual, the Andy Campbell Football Show, sponsored by Bespoke Financial. And uh, here is a quick word from them. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my Auntie Louise told Mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if Mummy or Daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and Mummy and Daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. Bespoke Financial uh, specialise in life insurance, critical illness, income protection, uh, mortgages and of course sports cover. And we thank them for sponsoring the show. Uh, so, onwards and upwards, introducing first my co-host, the hostess with the mostess, the fox in the box, still the king of the Millennium Stadium, ex-Cardiff City and Middlesbrough striker, and David Jones' favourite son, Mr Andy Campbell. How goes it, my friend? You Could thought I was going to leave it out then, didn't you? <laughs> I didn't admit to be fair. Uh, Change the we? order up. Uh, All right, buddy. Yeah, well excited for this. More of a fan than anything, and I'll uh, and I'll explain that later on when we when we delve into uh, Jimmy's um, successful career. But no, I'm really excited for this. Cause I, I know him personally, but I'm uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. 
and I'm just excited to have a goalkeeper on. So uh, tonight's <laughs> guest, he started his career at uh, Kalamata in Greece before playing for several top clubs in the UK and Europe, including Middlesbrough, Coventry, Swansea, AK, A A AEK, Athens, and of course the mighty Bluebirds, standing at a whopping six foot seven Greek international, Dimi Constantopoulos. Welcome, my friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you? It's good to be here. Don't forget uh, Hartlepool United, side. You know what I mean? It's a uh, big yeah, part. Yeah, I can't, can't part name them all, but of course Hartlepool, <laughs> as well as uh, there's a few others in there as well. But like I could be there, you know, naming them all. Um, the 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 one that mattered, obviously, Cardiff City. That's could have could have just said that ex Cardiff goalkeeper, <laughs> and then that would have been it. But uh, I, I, Dave Jones. What is what? What's Dave Jones like, Dimmy? <laughs> It wasn't bad, you know. One, one word, one 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 word answer, Jimmy. What was Dave Jones like? One word answer. Uh, overly relaxed, I think, in general. <laughs> that translators, uh, he didn't give. No, he um, <laughs> Dave Jones did a pretty good job for Cardiff for like a little period, but it, it'll always be, his time will always be blackened in my eyes for the way he treated Campbell. <laughs> Listen, I've 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 always and honestly said, openly said, he did a fantastic job for Cardiff City. But for me personally, and Dimmy, Dimmy will agree with me. You know what I mean? On certain managers, you don't see eye to eye. Unfortunately, you know what I mean. You you both got your own ideas of where you're. Um, I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't see eye to eye with him either. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I, I think eye to eye for me, Dimmy, was uh, an understatement. I'll be honest. We uh, we hated each other with a passion. Yeah. So yeah. was the only people who who got on with Dave Jones was like Jay Bothroyd and Michael Chopper. Then was it by the sounds of it? Basically, yeah. Chops and Jays, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we'll get to the questions in the live chat, of course, in a minute. Um, but uh, before we do that, uh, Dimmy, what we like to do is uh, something called the Magnificent Seven, uh, and there's seven quickfire questions where we put you on the spot and you just say the uh, the first thing that comes to mind as we answer them. They're all a bit varied, and uh, let's have a go at that then. Magnificent Seven, Dimi Constantopoulos. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo for me. Bigger, more complete athlete, I would say. Yeah, I, I like agree. that. We, I get it mixed, we, get, we get a good mixture though, don't we, Sam? Yeah. Ask that question every week because it's always interesting. Uh, Favourite TV show? Oh, uh, Friends. 100%. Ooh. Never that one either. Massive fan. Uh, angriest teammate? Oh, a few. Uh, <laughs> I want to say, probably, I give it a grand, grand little bit. Of. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, he's an angry man as well. Angry <laughs> man when things didn't go right. Uh, Favourite manager to play for? It's uh, a good question, that. I, I, have to, I have to give it to Aito. Uh, obviously, because the way we were doing how things were going, everything was, uh, everyone was in harmony with each other. Everything was good inside the club. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of respect within the club for, for him and between us as players. And it is a fantastic answer, mate. Uh, and the least favourite manager to play for? 
There's a few. <laughs> uh, he was he was actually a guy you don't probably know. He's a, he's a great guy. And in my career, who I went alone to this club in Athens, and we, we actually got promoted. But this guy was uh, uh, the only way I can describe him was a weirdo. You know, he didn't get it. I had a I had longish hair back then, and he was obviously he had no hair like Andy. And uh, he, had, he, had an he had an issue with that. He didn't like my my hair, so he was always trying to patronize me about it and say stuff. And uh, we nearly, you know, threw punches at each other in one training session. Wow, <laughs> sounds like a right character, that. Yeah. What was his name? Yorgos Hazanas. He actually he he actually trained uh, Aris FC in the okay. in the Premier League in Greece for for a spell, but now okay. he's disappeared. Oh, okay, doesn't surprise me. Wow. <laughs> and uh, for last couple, uh, Cardiff or Swansea? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Swansea for me. Full question. Uh, oh, I had a better time there. Oh, uh, the, the team was uh, love the honesty. Yeah, the the togetherness was better uh, over there, and the, the, I think the manager was better, uh, Martinez. Uh, so yeah, Cardiff wasn't such so enjoyable. It was Graham <laughs> Jones there with you, Jimmy? Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, assistant. Was yeah, we had Graham on the show um, two weeks ago. Two, two, two weeks ago, yeah. So he was, we obviously delved a, a, quite a lot into about Swansea because. Obviously, with um, obviously being an ex Cardiff City player, we do get a little bit sticked by uh, Swansea fans, thinking people are anti-Swansea, but it's not the case. You know, we've tried to bridge that gap. But so I'm glad, um, I'm glad that we've got you on and you've been honest there, because that's a, that's a, it's a, it's a good. No, I can only go from my experience. Both clubs are really, agree. really totally great agree. clubs, you know. But everyone, totally you know, when, when you yeah. have to choose between two places, you go by what you experience. Of course, totally yeah. And at the end of the day, like. The easy answer is for you to just go Cardiff, but like it's not an honest answer. Like I'd rather, I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, I can respect that. And um, then I don't like it, but I can respect it. I respect <laughs> the honesty, and the, that's that's the main thing. Um, and finally, the greatest Greek man who's ever lived. Oh, what a question! There's so many to choose from when you look when you think of it. Apart from you, Jim, you can't name yourself. There is, yeah, the uh, greatest of all time as well. Is that, is that the, 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 the question? Greatest yeah, of all time? Yeah, greatest of all time. It doesn't have to be football time, yeah. related, just greatest oh. Greek man of all time. Uh, Plato? Plato? You go. Perfect answer. Gets. <laughs> Getting some pelters in the in the live chat from uh, from uh, all the Cardiff yeah. fans, but uh, all in good faith anyway. Um, Sorry, Sai, can I just jump in? Cause it, yeah, go on. I just, on. just want to follow on something you said there, Demi, about um, about Aisha. Uh You said about being your favourite manager. So, um, in terms of being a goalkeeper and the way that he set up and how um, and how rigorous he was keeping clean sheets and wanting to defend, was that is, does that help you even more being a goalkeeper? Yes, see, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a case of our instructions were get out and try to keep a clean sheet. It wasn't. We, we, we he wanted to play uh, football and score goals. He wasn't. I never once heard him saying we have to keep a clean sheet. 
about his organization through training and how he prepared for games and the attention to detail made it hard for us to uh, get beat and obviously combination with the fact that we had good players and uh, everyone worked for each other it wasn't I know there's uh, you know there's been articles and stuff about uh, our defense and about me and about the defenders but it was a collective thing you know the, the amount of work strikers were putting in or the midfield were putting in helping to keep in those clean sheets it was tremendous and it was a it was generally teamwork I was never a, a defensive setup if you want to call yeah. it that way it was always uh, a, a team to play football but very very well organized yeah, so obviously we're gonna obviously jump into that. I was just, I just wanted, obviously wanted to know about that and about the structures. Obviously important because I, I read an article from uh, Neil Neil Etheridge um, last week about um, about the same thing that that he likes the way that he structures. You know that they're hard to beat, hard to break down. But obviously, like you say, he's still got the expansive attacking football. that wants to score goals, but he feels a little bit more protected than he was at Cardiff City. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It obviously fills you full of confidence, doesn't it, straight away? Yeah, exactly. When you have an organised uh, defence and uh, defense, defensive function that everyone at any point knows what to do when we don't have the ball, that makes it easier for, for a goalkeeper. And, you know, maybe you, you have to uh, work less times than you than you would normally, but sometimes that makes it uh, more difficult because as a keeper, it's easy to be, the, to be in the action all the time because you keep ball. But when you have only two, three times in a game to to act, sometimes you, it makes it harder mentally. Yeah, it's interesting that though because uh, Sai, we we obviously spoke to uh, Graham Jones, didn't we, about uh, about a similar thing about um, the coaches, modern day coaches don't focus on defending as much as they yeah. should, and um, and that's why we're letting a lot of goals in in the Premier League in the Championship. There's a lot more goals being scored, so forget about um, all these good players what are playing. Defensively, mistakes are not working on things enough, so. Uh, during your time, Jimmy, how how important was working on a structure and a formation and and gameplay basically? With Ito, just with anybody. How important was it for you as a goalkeeper? I think it's it's vital. I think for, for me, uh, uh, you have to know if, if you want to be successful as a team, you need to have a pattern of play, identify pattern of play which, which plays to the the team's strengths. You know, you can't have players that they. Um, want to play football or they the good technically and try to lock balls all the time. It's not going to work. So you have to identify a structure of, of play that it's according to the strengths of the, of the team. And obviously, defensively, you have to have the same. Everyone should know what to do while not, while not in possession. I think if you get those two things right, then you can add some quality. I think that, oh, that's what makes uh, successful teams. I totally agree. This is this is already exhilarating. So this is going to be a this is going to be a superb show. Looking forward to it. Um, Sai, should we uh, we go to any other business before? Yeah, we, indeed. Uh, move on. Um, so I'll tell you what we'll do. Um, we'll start with the internationals because the other subject is a bit bigger, and I kind of do want to delve into it. Uh, so we'll start. Well, we'll start with Greece. Uh, Dimi, they beat Moldova two 0 uh, over the last couple of days. Top of the group. Um, and I, I I'm not familiar with you know the Greek national team whatsoever. So I. Was hoping you could tell me uh, why why they're doing so well. Some of the standout players, and also uh, kind of some of the younger players coming through for Greece, who we should keep an eye out for. Um, yeah, they've been up and down, really. Uh, they're they're far from the side that 
you know, 2004 and for a few years after that, they were doing uh, were doing really well. Uh, relying a lot of younger players. Um, they're, they're good good players. There's some good players in there uh, with great potential. Just what's lacking is that uh, for me is that the characters that uh, that national team had back then obviously led them to winning the, the Euro uh, and uh, after that qualifications in the World Cups and never uh, Euro really. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a it's a restructure some form. The manager uh, is uh, is good, I think, for for this for this thing to restructure the team. And hopefully, those players that they're young now uh, in the years to come, they'll turn into strong personalities and when gel together and maybe try to bring the team back up where where it was a few years back. How important to me is sorry, sorry, sorry. How important to me is it to have these standout players? Though you know, what I mean, you mentioned there about two thousand and four. You know, what I mean, the World Cups and having these, having these big groups and big and standout players. You know, you've got the the Karagounises, the Karasteas, um, Zagarakis. Um, these kind of players are standout players and 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 the, and the worldwide players. You know, people rec- people recognise them worldwide for playing for good sides in the country. But how important is it to have those players inside the group to help the younger players through? It's massively important. Uh, these are players. These players are like sort of flags, national national flags for for each national team, and they set the example. And if we think that a national team as a group don't have the chance to train together a lot or to work together a lot, so it's a short amount of time that they can do things and prepare things. Having players like that with that statue and uh, that personality uh, makes. Uh, the players bond easier, uh, respect, uh, get the respect easier, and work for each other harder. And obviously, uh, th- that's out, outside the pitch. In, and in the pitch, they can uh, they can pick players up in certain situations and uh, maybe uh, affect results like that. Are the um, um, are the heroes? Are the all heroes? Do me the, the two thousand four lot? You know what I mean? Because I've always said, you know what I mean? As an Englishman. I would love to see my country winning the Euros or winning the World Cup in my generation. Hopefully, one day I get the opportunity to watch it as a fan. But um, how are how are the 2004 group um, put in the in the in the limelight within their home country? Yeah, they'll always be heroes. They're they're massively Chris all of them. They're all my friends. And, uh, uh, they were they were lucky, not lucky. They deserve to be in that team, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, they did really well uh, by pretty much grinding results and. Uh, through being the underdog in every every game we played, and that's what made made it even more even even bigger uh, that success. And uh, they'll always they always will be. And, uh, obviously, it's, it's, it's credit to them, and they very well deserve. Um, we'll come to some questions from the live chat a bit later, but I wanted to get this one in because it kind of comes in with the the international talk. Um, Rob Boyle asks, uh, "How good can uh, to?" S- to Simkas, how good can he be? <laughs> he's a he's a very good uh, left back. Uh, he's, he's done tremendously well with Olympiacos, and uh, he's been standout player. And uh, I think doing really well against Arsenal in the Champions League games um, helped him obviously advertise himself and get him move to Liverpool. I think he's. Uh, 
it can be really good. It, it, it definitely, definitely fits, and I can see why Jurgen Klopp got him to Liverpool because it fits with uh, how Liverpool want to play. If the player who can run away on the left side and put crosses in, uh, so yeah, obviously he, he needs to buy his time because he's got uh, Robertson in front of him, who's one of the best left backs in the in the world at the minute. But uh, yeah, he's a, he's a great asset for Liverpool. I think he's a great piece of business. It's also important, Sai, isn't it? You know, what I mean, to have uh, have somebody like that playing um, in a country off and a club like Liverpool because it it gives the other Greek players and the younger players some somebody to look up to. Uh, you know, what I mean, a role model to uh, to try and emulate. You know, I look at I look at the young England players playing in um, in Germany for Borussia Dortmund and and things, and and some of the younger players now trying to play abroad and in different countries. And for me, I think it's a it's something to aspire to, you know. What yeah, I mean? that's I mean, where those young players all want to be. Is at the biggest clubs in Europe, mate. At the end of the day, isn't instead it? of instead of playing under twenty three football, which for me is a waste of time, a waste of time, and um, a waste of effort. Speaking of waste of time, Demi, I wanted to get your op- opinion on these early season pr- friendlies, um, which disrupts the season. You know, like four or five games in. And um, and the Nations League generally, but like mainly this kind of what do the players what do players feel like these uh, international friendlies are they a hindrance are they happy to get away somewhere in the middle? I think it's two two sides of this coin. Obviously, it's one that, as you said, disrupts the, the flow of the league and maybe creates some problems for the clubs. But then on the other side, um, the national teams might need that because the managers won't have any other chance to see players or check players on or be able to have the best squad for competitions later on. Uh, I, th- I think actually players uh, don't mind that. Uh, certainly the ones who don't, who, who don't get called up because they have two weeks off. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I, th- I think it's one of those games, isn't it? You know that, that as a as, as a goalkeeper, if you just kept a clean sheet on Saturday, you want to go and play the following week. You don't want to you don't want to wait two weeks and, and and have a couple of weeks off. If you just lost, you want to get back on the on the horse, so to speak, and just and just play more football. But if you're playing regular for your country and you're getting called up, you want to go and represent your country. So I I can see it from both points of view. But for me personally, I just it's the timing of things. You know what I mean? Do we need it after five games? Can we not leave it towards? Um, later on in the in, in the year, or you know what I mean, especially Nations League for me, World Cup qualifiers, um, Euro qualifiers, top friendlies to go to Brazil or Argentina or Germany or go to Dubai or Qatar and go and play a, go and play a game in the uh, in the atmosphere that you're going to play a World Cup qualif- a World Cup game in Qatar, for example, and that's what that's what for me it should use this time for. I agree, I agree. It has to be um, a manager. Uh, because, as I said, it, it might end up costing the clubs uh, in the end because it could, they could pick up injuries or disrupt the, you know, a team winning three, four games in a row. So this break comes and sort of breaks the flow of the team. So yeah, it has to be uh, a measure to this and uh, and and timing, as you said. Well, as you as you say that to me, just uh, and this isn't set up by the way. It just goes in perfect. To you said there about people getting injured. We had a, a Welsh player getting injured against uh, against England, um, who uh, keeps him off. I mean, so it could cost Cardiff City a, a three million pound player going forward. You know, we had Harry Kane getting injured in training. Obviously, didn't play yesterday, but came on as sub. 
And for me, the clubs must be thinking, what are you playing him for? You know, I look at the England game yesterday that Harry Kane's not playing because he's injured, but then they can bring him on his sub. I just think, look after the player, look after the club, because the clubs are paying the wages, the fans want the players to play for their clubs. And Harry Kane's such an important player for club and country, but it is just a friendly. What yes, do you think Jose player. makes of that, mate? Like, oh, it, off it, the back of beating United 6-1... Harry Kane's banging form with um, uh, that guy. I've forgotten his name. The oh, I can't remember his name. The other Spurs striker who's, who's yeah scores for fun. Um, like they're banging form. Harry Kane's coming back to full fitness from a long-term injury. Jose's got Spurs doing you know playing well, and then all of a sudden you've got him picking up an injury, and then instead of just giving him a rest, they bring him on. As a separate, I didn't think they needed to do that. You know, there was they got enough depth. It's not like a do or die game where they, you know, they've got to win. They, I didn't feel the need to to risk him. Like, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how serious the injury was, but for me, if he's got any sort of injury, which was meaning he wasn't starting, then he shouldn't have played for to protect the clubs and protect him as a, you know, he's got a full season to play and he's coming off a long term injury as well. Would you agree with that? And as an Englishman, um, I wouldn't have risked him. I don't see. I don't see the point in putting him putting him at risk. You know, we've got another game coming up. On is there another game this week? Yeah, um, Friday. Spurs, Friday Spurs, Spurs have got Spurs have got another game. I just don't see. I don't see what the benefit is um, for both club and country, especially the injury that he had before lockdown as well, that he was out for uh, quite a long time and he's only just came back. So for me, look after the player, have him in and around the group, um, let him be the captain off the pitch, let him help the younger players through because that's what they're for. Let, let Calvert Lewin play a full, another full 90 minutes with, with a different set of players to see if he can handle yeah. it for me and that would have been perfect. Well, the thing is, they are, you know, they've got the likes of Sancho, they've got Danny Ings, who's, who deserved to play on, on club four. Like, why not give him half out? Like, Kane, Kane, come on, with 66 minutes gone. Why wouldn't you give that time to Danny Ings? He deserves that because of his club form. Totally agree. So, I, I don't know. We're on England, so we'll stick with him. Like, what? Um, how much do you use that as a barometer and that they beat Belgium, one of the top sides in Europe? Are you getting, you know, really excited, like England are going to win the Euros in the summer? Or are you, doesn't matter. Um, I, and I know we've got a few comments in the group chat and Leslie's just put something in there about saying it's a competitive game. It's not a competitive game. It's a friendly. It's a Nations League, but it's still a friendly. The only competitive football you play are Euros and World Cup qualifiers and World Cup yeah. um, games in the World Cup in the summer. It was a friendly, you know, that... You look at the you look at the teams they put out. Um, you look at the substitution. What is, what what are made? It is a friendly competition. You know what I mean? Yes, there might be some at the end of it, but for me, it's still a friendly, and I wouldn't have. I'm not getting excited. It's, it wins. I, I want to win. I want to watch goals. I want to see entertainment. But it's just another progression, another game, and, and it's another uh, another game against a decent side, which you can. But listen, last time we played Belgium in a in a. In a World Cup, or Euro, Euros, we got beat anyway. So it's, there's yeah. my, there's my, there's my judge. Um, Dimi, what's your opinion of uh, Romelu Lukaku? Uh, obviously, he had a tough time at United, but still scored. His, his goals to game ratio was very good. He obviously scored for fun for Everton. He's banging them in for Inter Milan. Scores at international level. Um, he seems like a top top player who perhaps wasn't being used properly by Manchester United. I like him. I always liked him as a player. He's got uh, he's got a bit of everything, really. And 
you know, he's, he's strong, he's, he's fast, uh, he, he's got a great left foot, he can head it. Uh, but then, then he shows that uh, the right environment sometimes doesn't bring out the best of the player. That's an example is, for example, uh, De Bruyne of Chelsea and De Bruyne of Man City. You know, when he left Chelsea, everyone was saying, oh, what a waste of money or what a good bargain to sell him. To, did he go to, back to Germany, to Dortmund, I think, did he? Uh, and then went to Man City, and now he's the best midfielder in the world. Uh, that shows that he has to be the mix of, obviously, the, the quality of the player and the right environment for, for the player. And sometimes if you don't get that right, you miss on... Uh, some great potential of a certain player, and that's something I think we Yeah, 100%. I, I, I totally agree because I look at I look at Lukaku um, when he came through at Chelsea, when he went on loan to West Brom, uh, when he went to Everton. I just thought he was um, he was just at another level, and then he goes to Man United, biggest club in the world, doesn't work out for him, whatever. Uh, wherever it may be, and then all of a sudden, um, it, it just it, it, it goes to Inter Milan, and he's and he's and he's just he can't stop scoring, and he's he's playing in 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 European finals, and it's it's great it's great for him personally, you know, and, and he's playing for the the most informed side uh, country with the best players, the Hazards, the De Bruyne's, like Dimmy just said. So you know, what I mean, it's a it's a perfect opportunity. Can I just say something on that? What you did that there? When I was playing at Cardiff, that was a great experience for me, a great, great moment. I remember playing a home game at the old ground at um, Cardiff, Lydia. and uh, one of my first games, my, my, first, my very first home game, and um, we were winning, and uh, for about 20 minutes, the the fans are shouting uh, to, for me to do that, but I didn't know what it was, I never, no one's ever looked at me. <laughs> for 20 minutes, I, I could hear my, my name, but I didn't know what they were saying. <laughs> so at the end there was uh, one of the lads at the bench who shouted me, Jimmy, do this. So I did this and the first one went down. Uh, now that was uh, obviously uh, who, who was the chairman, Jimmy? Was it was it um, Peter Ridsdale when you were there? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so obviously when, when I signed uh, um Sam Aman and and uh, we had to uh, we had to do it we had to do it religiously all of the time and it was you know I mean the fans absolutely loved it. They were so passionate and it was just uh, just to give something back, isn't it, to the supporters? And uh, and they absolutely loved it, adored it. it was, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. But then speaking about Wales, Si, so obviously... Yeah, I was going uh, to we'll, just say we'll, that. We'll throw it, back, uh, throw it back at you. So tell me tell me your thoughts on the England game first, because um, obviously that was a friendly team. was going was obviously different to what they played um, during the week as well. So tell me about the so, England game. Um, for me, like I said to you on Friday, I, I've, I have watched the extended highlights now. Um, it mattered so little to me, even though it was against England, that I didn't even know it was on until you text me a couple of minutes before kickoff and said about it. Um, however, what I will say is I'm very, very happy with these young players who Wales have got. Like they, they, they starting lineup in both games. So young. They did have Ramsey in the second game, um, but to, they just got a knack of not losing at the moment. I know they lost to England, but even with a, an understrength side against Ireland, they yes, it wasn't a great game, but they these young players are getting used to defending well and keeping clean sheets. They do we are very reliant on a bit of magic from a a Bale or a Ramsey or a Daniel James or someone like this. Yeah, you know, that's gonna come with these young players you're looking over the next couple of years for them to really show what they can do offensively 
um, that's the one thing I think we are lacking. But in terms of performances, defensively good, offensively not good at the moment. Not 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 good, but just not quite what they're capable of. Um, but the future for Wales, mate, is very bright. If the, if even fifty percent of those players live up to their potential. Wales will be one of the top sides in Europe, in my opinion. What but, about the stick? Um, the stick Ampadu got. Did you see? Did you hear of the stick that he got? There was two I didn't know. So if you fill me in, I'll give you an opinion. Um, so there was a, a an alleged penalty. What Randolph? Um, he, he came out to punch the ball, and Ampadu give uh, Ampadu went down holding his head, and uh, I think Roy Keane was giving him a bit of stick, uh, and yeah. James McLean um, got sent off for a, a second yellow card on the tackle on Ampadu, which. He didn't touch yeah. him. I don't like to see it, mate. Like whether he's Welsh or English or anything, like I'll give an honest opinion, and uh, I don't like seeing that because um, one, you know what I'm like when it comes to head injuries. I think that football is so far behind in the way they treat head injuries. It's only over the last few years where they've started treating concussions properly, whereby they're this down to the doctor, not the player, to if whether they can come back on and stuff like that, and you know, all the bits after that, the aftercare. So to see players going down, holding the head, if they haven't been, um, you know, if they haven't been hit in the head, that is not something I like to see because, you know, it is what it is. Um, whatever nationality they are, even if it's uh, my fellow Welshman. Um, and I haven't seen it, like, i got to be honest, so I'm going on just what you've said there. But also, uh, I will also say that uh, Ethan Ampadu, it, again, if he lives up to his potential, he'll be one of the best players in Europe in five five years. He's outstanding. Um, and we'll touch on Scotland, mate, as well. Um, unbeaten in 2020. Ultimately, what does that mean? Uh, Jimmy? <laughs> how, import, how important is it for a player... Um, to be involved at any level, international club level, and and being unbeaten for that for that length of time, does it does it fill 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 teams, fans, players, coaching staff with confidence? Yeah, of course. I think uh, obviously being unbeaten, doing well at the national team, that uh, sort of reignites the interest of the the country that you represent towards the national team, and uh, that's a, that's only a good thing. And uh, players. Live of that, really, of that confidence. Uh, when you have the backing of your your fellow country, uh, well, it's a, it's the best thing. It's it's obviously when you have crowds on the on the on the, on the ground as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, doing that, doing well for Scotland is a, is a great thing for, for for the whole country, I think, and uh, it unites people in a, in a way. I totally agree. I couldn't, have, I couldn't have put it better myself. And I think it's it's important for them because, you, you know, if in, inside, listen, if it gives them an easier group going forward for the next World Cup, next European yeah. Championships. That's, that's the main thing for me. You know what I mean? And, and that's that's the key. One thing I will say is it will do... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it won't do the confidence of the side. And they've got some great... Uh, they've got some great young players, mind as well. Scotland have in that side in the end of 21s. That... Being unbeaten for a whole year will do them the world of good as a group um, and as a team. So, you know, from that point of view, that's fantastic. Um, and then our second bit of kind of any other business is two big ones, really, today. Project Big 
picture. Um, Liverpool and Ar uh, Liverpool and Man United have led proposals for football reforms, dubbed Project Big Picture, uh, which would ultimately see the Premier League reduced to 18 teams. Uh, a lot of money distributed down to the EFL. Uh, some people are not happy. Uh, so I'll just give you a quick quote from the EFL chairman, Rick Parry. He said, the government have been making a lot of noise about uh, the need to sort out football. Maybe they should read the plan before they comment. They haven't actually done very much other than urging Premier League teams to take action. There are a lot of vested interests. It's not going to please everyone. So he is on the side of it. Um, the government said... Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but they're very basically they're very disappointed. In a time of crisis, we've urged the top tiers of football to come together and finalise a deal to help lower league clubs. But there appears to have been a backroom deal that's been cooked up uh, that would would create a closed shop at the very top of the game. Um, Andy, what was your initial thoughts when you first saw this? Um, I, it's just not fair, you know. I, I just think, you know, that, that some teams have worked really hard to get in the Premier League, and um, and then all of a sudden they're going to have to uh, relegate more teams to to create a smaller league. Are these six super clubs trying to break away themselves and trying to to form this as a first first part of a breakaway? You know, I mean, we spoke earlier before we came on about that about, about this top six. So, what are we talking about here? We're talking about Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City, Spurs. I just don't get it, you know what I mean? Because I look at Leicester City, for example. I look at Everton. Um, Leicester won the Premier League not so many years ago. Everton are doing really well currently. And I, I just don't see it as, as a fair way to um, to move forward. And I just think um, the Premier League is unique because of the players that we attract. Um, if you start being a, being a top six, then will the attraction be... The attraction anymore, you know, because um, it won't be a, it won't be a financial attraction because twenty five percent of your money is going to be going elsewhere. You know what I mean? So, what will be the carrot to get to the Premier League anymore, unless they make the the money even more? Um, one thing I do like about it was um, one just one of the things I picked up, which I quite like it as a change, was having two teams go up automatically, and then uh, so in the Championship it would be the team which finishes third, fourth, and fifth in a playoff with the team which finishes third from bottom in the Premier League. I do like that idea because it gives those teams at the bottom of the Premier League, like it's like a second chance saloon to, uh, to just try and get out of it. And I do like that. I think that could be good. It can add a bit of drama. It can, you know, it can do that. But as I said to you and Demi just before we came on air, one thing which people don't seem to be focusing on is the fact that those six top six clubs will have a, and so much power that they can basically veto any uh, potential new rules, anything like you know, any changes to to organisations and stuff like that. I think people haven't. That seems to have gone under the radar a bit, and I don't believe that any one club or any six clubs should be able to do that. Anything which changes the fundamental basics of the, you know, the organisation, the EFL, Premier League, the game in the UK. Every club has got to be on board for it to work. Um, so I wasn't very happy with that. They did used to do that kind of format, though, Sai. You know, I, mean, I remember, I know my dad's in the group chat. My dad will, uh, will, t will, will correct me if I'm wrong. But um, Middlesbrough got promoted one year by beating Bradford City in the semi-final over two legs. And then they played Chelsea in the final. 
Chelsea were a Division 1 team, we were a Division 2 team, so Premier League Championship. And we beat them over two legs, second leg at Stamford Bridge and ended up getting promoted to the to Division 1, which is Premier League, Premier yeah. League now. So I do I do like that kind of format, but I just don't think it's fair on teams who are trying to get there or there already. I just What do you, what do you think, Jimmy? What's your thoughts on it? Uh, I don't know how fair it's going to be for the Championship teams, because if you're playing... Uh, Obviously, the, the, the gap right now, the, the the money that the Premier League teams have to spend and the players that can attract every year, it's obviously much bigger than the championship. And having a play playoff between uh, uh, a lower, uh, a bottom Premier League team and the third, fourth, sixth championship team, it's a, I think it's a mismatch. Yeah. Uh, in quality, obviously, it's two games and anything can happen. But then you're starting with, with very bad odds for the championship team, and it's it's like a false carrot, uh, I think. They tried to yeah. do similar things in Greece, and uh, over the the last few years, they've changed the rules. They've done it uh, 16 teams, then 18. Then I think if you go down, then it's, it starts becoming a habit and change it often, and sort of people get confused, and it loses that uh, that harmony that right now we have. That, this is what happens. This is what your goal is. That's what you have to do. If you is, start it, a, is it broke, Jimmy? Is it broke? Is it, are no, we broken? We're not, not so why fix it? Why, why fix something which which is not broken exactly. for me? However, they do like as part of this manifesto, if you want to call it that. Um, part of the thing they are saying, or the people who are promoting it are saying, is that this it's about getting rid of the parachute payments down to the championship clubs and trying to give the EFL clubs more money to bridge the financial gap between the EFL and the Premier League. Now, whether I believe that is another thing, but that's what they're kind of selling it as. Um, look, they, let's say it's a fact that with COVID and everything, the, the lower league clubs are struggling with no fans in the grounds. We have to find a way as a, as, as a football, as a game, to make sure that no more clubs go bust. Do I think this is the answer? No. For me, uh, this is, you know, they can make a package, a rescue package for to be spread to the lower league clubs, the ones totally by priority, the ones that need help. I don't yeah. think there's a need to apply new regulations and changes uh, no. to do that. Uh, and as for the parachute payments, I think a club getting promoted to the Premier League gets so much money from uh, obviously being in that league that it can, with good uh, handling, it can last for, for a long time. Uh, do you know what I mean? Unless uh, they go you know, stupid with it. Mm -hmm. so, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. The thing is, to me, I, I totally agree because it's, it's the same thing, Sai. You know what I mean? If, you, if you're giving money per month, for example, and you're giving money regularly for a year, you're going to put that money on your budget, you're going to spend it. Where yeah. They don't need to do that for me. It's all about... Um, there you go. See, I told you, my dad, my, yeah. my dad knows me stuff. Um, Jimmy's right. You I mean, res rescue pa packages are way forward. Rescue, rescue packages, teams yeah. who are in distress, teams who are struggling, teams who need um, rescuing, they need that money to sustain and finish the season. There you go. That's the, how much do you need? There's a pack, there's, there's, there's a pot of money here. There's X amount of money to, to get you through. And, the rest and, of and, and considering the amount of money that now is in the, in the Premier League, which is the the biggest, uh, most lucrative league in the in the world, uh, it's only going to be a small percentage that those clubs in the lower divisions will need to stabilise back again. I don't think it's going to be a massive hit for the Premier League clubs or 
you know, the FA, if, if it's done properly and uh, revised and, uh, you know, the correct homework, it, it, it can be done and, uh, you know, everyone can be a winner from that. I like that. I, 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 um, that's a much, be- much better idea. What about the, the EFL cap and the Community Shield being scrapped as part of it? You can't. What's the point of getting rid of it? Listen, Sai, I'm, I'm not a big advocate of, of, of uh, the EFL Cup at the minute. With Add the teams. Scottish clubs to it. Well, for me, you've got to make it more interesting, more relevant, um, better for fans. Um, but if, if clubs have to take these things seriously as well, you know, that if mm. teams aren't going to put the best sides out and they don't, want to, they don't want to commit to it, then let somebody else. But I guarantee you, if you put a Champions League place or a Europa League place at the end as a carrot for these cups, teams will put the best side out. Spot on, mate. If you make them important, if you make them matter, if you make clubs them, exactly. will treat them, treat, treat them uh, seriously. And I'll, I'll go back to the Wells Cup years ago. The Wells Cup years ago, that had a Cup Winners' Cup place at the end of it, and the Wells clubs yep. took it seriously. Now, the Wells, the Wells clubs, the, the Wells Cup doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to anybody. Indeed. Um, uh, Garen Cole says that, he says, um, obviously, he's referring to Cardiff. He says, well, they've made 200 million over the past few seasons in para- parachute payments, but we're struggling financially, Cardiff are, because of lockdown or whatever, you know, whatever it may be, the reason. Um, so when you think about clubs who haven't had that, there's going to be some big clubs struggling, I think, isn't there? Um, but there we go. And there you go. Someone else there, Johnny, says, what about clubs like Cardiff whose parachute payments have disappeared? Um it's never ending, in it? You all, the big clubs want their own Euro League with no relegation and no um, no promotion, do they? They'd like it to be completely cut off. But yeah, well, how is that making any sense? What's the what's the incentive with this? No promotion, no promotion, no relegation, and it's just what? Well, yeah, it's going to be it's it's going to be like the MLS, and what's uh, clubs would be franchised, and what's the point? You know, what I mean? it's not broken. Why fix it? You know what I mean? We want to yeah. be competitive. We want the best players in the world to come. And the only way that, 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 that we get them is by being as competitive as we are. Carry, carry there's, a reason, there's a reason why this this league and the leagues in this country are regarded the best in the world because of how it's been and the the level that it's, it's reached. So changing it now, I don't, as you said, if it's not broken, why, why fix it? You can do adjustments here and there when it's, when it's needed by obviously this crisis that we're facing, uh, just small adjustments which can continue the flow of, uh, of, of doing well and staying up the standards. Spot on. Uh, Dimi, let's move on to you, mate. Um, what I would like to know is, uh, what is your earliest football memory, whether it's watching, playing, just uh, what, what was the first time that you kind of fell in love with football? Oh, uh. Since I can remember myself, I was with, with the ball. I, I remember my mom and my mom. She's very proud of it. I used to um, uh, share because I was the first born. She had a, a book, a memory book. Uh, she never got it with my sister because she's the second <laughs> one. <laughs> not important to me. Yeah, not important. Not important. But with, uh, with me, she had a memory book. So she wrote when I was about three months old. Uh, he loves playing with with the ball. He's going to become a goalkeeper when I was three months old. She's been wow. showing me ever since. Every time I see her, you know, see, see my mum's instinct, and she was right. That's all. Awesome. So yes, yeah, I was always with a with a football in my hands or my my feet, and uh, you know, I, I had this bug since I can I could really walk. 
So what we got from that? What we got from that then, Sai, is uh, that, that that Demi's mum knows her Demi, stuff. Demi was Demi was her favourite. That's the first yeah. thing. She knows her stuff. I asked, I asked her a few times for the lottery numbers, but she couldn't. Do it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Demi, that's one question I'll ask you from, from, from that follow one is um, obviously you said you, you'd always had a ball at your hands. You know what I mean? And it was always a we always had a ball at my feet. So was goalkeeping always um, always the main focus, or did you did you try outfield, or did you get an opportunity to play outfield? Yeah, um, obviously, as you're, when you're a kid at school, especially, you try every position. You don't know what what you like. But yeah. I had a I had a thing of diving around all the time and catching the ball. So I think that's the, that's the most suitable position for me. Not that I wasn't good at field. Yeah. I had a good, great header. I played a few times as striker, and they used to call me Tony Cascarino because I could <laughs> head it. Big Tony, big Tony, like yeah. it. Like um, yeah, um, yeah. what about the um, the myth of the, um, the, the the saying that all goalkeepers are a bit are a bit nuts and a bit crazy? So do you do you fall into that category, Demi? Yeah, hundred percent. You have to be crazy if you dive in someone's feet with your head first. Uh, so yeah, I think we we lack this uh, sense of danger sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well. So. Yeah, um, not 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 nuts. I would say well, a lot of goalkeepers are very sensible guys. You know, I've in my my career, but we certainly um, bravery wise, I think uh, it, it has to be one of the bravest positions on the pitch because you know you put your any any part of your anatomy in front of the ball, uh, and I'm I'm telling you, it hurts sometimes. <laughs> But on, on, on that point, though, Jimmy, I know I know we laugh when we joke, but um, it's serious, though, isn't it? You know that um, um, the the um, the chances of getting a serious injury. You look at Peter Check. You know what I mean? How innocuous these kind of things can be. You know what I mean? You're putting your life and your and your body on the line every time you go over that white line, so to speak. Yeah, it could, it could happen. Uh, it's I've had a few a few times in my career. I broke fingers. Uh, got knocked out. I remember a game at Coventry, actually. I came out for a corner, someone helped me in the, in the head. The referee never gave a foul. I was on the floor unconscious. I was back before the, all the rules about head injuries and stuff. So when I came back, the referee was having, having a laugh with me. He said, oh, it's a goal. It's one nil. I said, what? <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's a goal kick. <laughs> <laughs> that, happened, that happened to me, that. I, I, I remember playing, uh, playing a game for Cardiff. We played... Um... We played Cheltenham, Cheltenham Town at Wadham Road, and um, and I went up for a head. I got got not got knocked out anyway. So I'm, I'm on the floor. I remember waking up and the manager, uh, the referee said to me, he said, uh, "What's what's the score?" Bear in mind, there's a scoreboard. I didn't look at the scoreboard, and I said, "I I, I don't know." He said, well, "You're winning one nil." He said, "Do you remember the goal?" And I said, "Oh no, who scored?" And I had just scored, and I did. I couldn't remember a thing about it. And you know what I mean? I watched, I watched the goal since uh, I've seen it on TV. And I just, I just can't remember it. And I still, to this day, it just doesn't seem right. You know what I mean? But you get hit in the wrong place at the wrong time, and it's, especially the temple area, it can be really, really serious. And I don't think um, people who um, who think when you when you're down and you and people are saying get up, you you're feeling an injury left, right, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's got to be a little bit of compassion, especially to goalkeepers who, um, especially after what happened to Peter Check, especially. You know, I think um, goalkeepers do need to be protected a little bit, a little bit more than they used to be a few years ago. Um, Jimmy, I, while, while we're on this subject, I guess, um, so my oldest boy is like 15, I don't know why I'm saying 15, did you, did you I know, I know he's 15, uh, he's 16 in December, uh, he's a goalkeeper who plays like kind of just below or around our academy level and um, 
particularly when he was younger, he found it very difficult to manage the, the ups and the downs. Whereas, obviously, if you're a keeper, you make a mistake, it's a goal. If you're a defender or a striker, you make a mistake. You, nine times out of ten, you get away with it. Normally, because of the goalkeeper. It's, how difficult is it, particularly as you, you know, when you're a young goalkeeper and you're trying to make your, your break in your career and really push on to become a number one? to manage those kind of ups and downs that's the that's the um, the biggest thing in this was in, in, in our position i think it's the mental side of it uh, it's how you basically battle with yourself really uh off the pitch after a game sometimes in a game uh, and uh, it's uh, i like my our position because it's a uh, it's the least complicated one. As you said, you know, you keep a clean sheet, it's a good game. You give a goal in, you know, it's, you know, you have to look at it. Uh, so it's, it's it's pretty much black and white. Um, but it, it has to do a lot of keeping the balance, I think. Uh, you don't, I found it uh, through my career and obviously later stages through my career because as you gain with experience, you understand the game better that you have to keep a balance you don't get too excited when things are going well you don't get too downhearted when things are not going well you manage to keep that balance uh, in and out of the pitch and i think that's uh, that um, brings consistency uh, in your in your in your games in your career you mentioned there demi about uh, about battles during a game off the pitch etc um talk to me about the mental side of the game when you're not busy, so you're playing in a team who's very successful. You're attacking all the time, and so what? What are you doing? So what are you doing to get your um, get your composure to mentally prepare yourself in seven, eight, nine minutes time to be involved in the game fully? Uh, you just have to be in the game by reading the game constantly, even if the ball is on the other side of the pitch. Uh, there's been games that I had, uh, I didn't have to do much. Uh, for example, the the seasons the season I got promoted, there was a few games I didn't do much, but I came out of the game with a headache because uh, the, the mentally I had to be switched on for 90 minutes non-stop, just in case something happens uh, and I needed to you know to act. And uh, yeah, it is uh, it is quite tricky. Uh, you, you can't afford to lose uh, concentration, and if you do, the highest the level you play the easier you can get punished. Uh, so yeah, the mental aspect of the game is very, very important to the goalkeeper. And, and, I, and I think coaching goal, young goalkeepers, it's a major part of the training that coaches focus on, uh, training them mentally as well as physically. Well, I, um, a good friend of mine, Tony Warner, he played at Cardiff with me. Um, he used to play for Liverpool. Um, he used to write things on his gloves. So before a game, he would uh, he would get a different pair of gloves every game. And during, uh, before a game, he would sit in the in the changing room and write different things on his gloves. So every time he was not busy, he would just have a little look and read and, and just compose himself during a game and, and, and do things like that. But it's, you know what I mean? I, 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 a story. I do, I do regret it a little bit. Um, but I remember it was a reserve game or a pre-season game we were playing and, um, and before the game, just before the game, I stole his gloves, took him into the toilet and wrote left and right on his gloves. So when he was reading his gloves, <laughs> just, to, just to get on his nerves a little bit, you know, I did regret it because he's an angry man as well at times. So, you know what I mean? Top lad, but you can get a little angry. 
We all have triggers, and uh, any sportsman, yeah, I don't think many sport any sport would tell you that they don't have sort of superstitious superstitious rituals before games or maybe during games. I, I know I had mine. I know most of my teammates had theirs, and it's, these are switches, you know, mental switches that the yeah. you, you 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 sort of flick before you start the game. So mm. yeah, I can understand, Tori, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, um, but you're right. I'm going to mention somebody who's uh, Leslie just wrote a name in the chat, and I was going to mention him anyway. He's on my list now of, of uh, current goalkeepers. You know what I mean? There's David De Gea, uh, Hugo Lloris, um, and Jordan Pickford. You know that three high-profile goalkeepers who they've made some massive errors over the last probably uh, six months to a year. And do you think it's fair, unfair the criticism they get to me because the high-profile goalkeepers and, and the scrutinism on them is, is massive nowadays? I just. Uh... What I don't like is sometimes because a goalkeeping is a is a different position, and if you haven't been a goalkeeper, you don't really know, uh, uh, and you shouldn't be. I, I don't think I don't like people commentating in games uh, and uh, make passing judgment on goalkeepers uh, about things that they're not really experts on. I could understand if there's a, a panel and there's an ex goalkeeper or a, you know goalkeeping coach that uh, says. Yeah, he's, he's, he could do better there, or it's his fault there. But apart from that, it's like me going on a on a, a show or a call or whatever, and passing judgment on a striker about how his body should be or what he could do there or this. And that. I can because I never played that position and I don't. Yeah. I'm not an expert on this position. Uh, well, I, I, I agree with you there. Roy Keane, famously, Roy Keane uh, was Man United against Tottenham, wasn't it? And um, I, I think I don't know who was it. Was it and, and Dumbele who 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 took a shot? He went straight through um, David De Gea's gloves, and and he came on the he came on the, the halftime show, and he was like, I wouldn't I wouldn't let him get back on the ball, so he was very critical of him. And I, I just think it's unfair because, like you said, Tim, it's it's such a unique and niche position that you know what I mean unless you've been in that position and you see a ball coming towards you at pace because it's not like he's just trickled underneath his legs and he's made a mistake it's a, it's a good Look, shot it's a mistake it's a, it's a mistake okay and, and I think the first one who knows the mistake is David De Gea uh, that's 100% that doesn't mean that he's a he's a poor goalkeeper uh, obviously on that level that you, that you are you, you, you're quite required to be more consistent and uh and, and, and better in certain situations, but overall, it's it's a mistake, and we all, we all make mistakes. It's a it's a it's a game based on mistakes. If no one made mistakes in a the game, there wouldn't be no goals. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Hundred mm. percent. But the mental it's, it's side, you, you know, what I mean, the, 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 the other mental side that that I want to ask you, and I'm and, I, and I'm and I'm quite keen to know the answer because I can see I, I know the answer from my personal point of view, but. When you're not playing Dimmy, how how important is it to keep your men? If you're number two, um, or, or worse, or you know what I mean, or you, or you are playing and you're coming out the team, how important is it to keep the mental frame of mind correct to to, to when you do play next? It's tough. It's got to do with the conditions of why why you're not playing or or the reasons. But at the end of the day, it's for me. It's when you're not playing, uh, if you're not working hard enough, uh, it's not. You're not harming your manager or whoever you you think you're blaming uh, for you not playing. You only blame uh, harming yourself because uh, if you're not working 100 percent training after that to uh, get better, then 
you know, you know, progressing, you know, pushing, any, putting any pressure to get to get up. I know a lot of people and uh, a lot of goalkeepers probably that dwell on it and they soaking and they go on there, which is understandable because it's hard sometimes. But if you think, if you think about it logically, all you can do is try to beat yourself and be better than you were, you know, last week. Uh, what what stayed with me all those years since I started because my, my first manager when I was 17 in League One in Greece, uh, he took me from an amateur club and put me straight straight in the team, training within two hours before every training session, and he taught me basically what I what I carried on throughout my career, and he said to me, uh, look, your only measurement could be would be yourself. But perfect. Not your uh, the other keeper in your team. Not the other keeper uh, playing in uh, the top level. No one. Just yourself. Picture yourself perfect without conceding any goals, and that should be your target. As long as you're working to to get to that, you're becoming better and better. Mm. Oh, and and, 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 that, and that probably coincides with what you said to me, Jimmy, uh, about three months ago when you said you had the drive and determination and your. Um, your professionalism to be number one. You know what I mean? When you signed for Middlesbrough, that you you went in there probably at number three, number two, and you said that you had the drive, that the managers, all the managers that you played under, that you were going to be number one. And you know what I mean? You had that drive, determination, aspirations to go and do that, and you did it in the end. And you know what I mean? That shows it shows just for me true professionalism, commitment. If you don't believe in yourself, you're there. not going anywhere. If, if if I don't believe I'm good enough to play, how am I going to persuade the manager that I'm good enough to play? So. If you, so it, it starts from there. It all starts so, from there. You believing that you can do it, or you can be better, or uh, totally then when agree. you get a chance, you show you show you can. Totally agreeing. What happens then, Jimmy? If um, does does a number one and a number two get on together? Is is the is the fight real? Is it is it is it you against him? Do you do you complement each other? Get on really well on and off the pitch? Uh, yeah, obviously it depends on personalities and stuff. Yeah. Uh, most. My my career with uh, the other goalkeepers has been relationship has been tremendous. There's been occasions, uh, you know, that there's been the odd the odd one that you don't get along. But uh, I can't you can't jeopardize his uh, training session or try to harm his, his his improvement or his work. You know that's that's just pure nonsense. I think it harms not just him and you, but the whole team. Yeah, you've I get, almost, I get almost got your own little mini team within a team, haven't you? With the yeah. team of goalkeepers and the goalkeeping coach, who obviously work together day in, day out in a small group. So I'd imagine that there's quite a bit of camaraderie, but also, like you, like you say, and there is that bit of competitiveness in it because they all want the same thing. But you push each other on, though, don't you? You push each other on. You want the best for each other. You know what I mean? And I, and I was saying, people ask me the same question about Robert Earnshaw that um, that Ernie kept me out with the team for a long, long period of time for a, basically a full year. Um, and do I wish he didn't score his goals? Well, if, if he didn't score his goals, we would have lost games. Um, there's no guarantee that I was going to score goals. You know what I mean? For me, it was a happy period of a, of a group. You know what I mean? We were we were good as a group that year. And if a goalkeeper's keeping clean sheets. You're winning games. It's a happy, happy changing room, happy group, happy, happy away games, happy home games. Fans are happy. You don't want somebody to have a bad game just in, just in, in, in case you play. It's just, it doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? Teams are different. 
good teams, especially a different, you know, mm. that you want success and you want to win games. You know, what I mean, if you start yeah, off those kind of thoughts, it's competition. It's very it's competition. If you do a, if we do an exercise uh, with the goalkeeping training and drill, obviously one keeper's in, then you go in there to do your set. You want to do it better. You totally want to, totally agree. and that's only 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 healthy, I think, and that should be in every position. But apart from that, when the game starts and you're not playing, all you can do is support the one who's, who's playing. And if they don't do well, uh, then you, you get you might get your chance and try to show you what you can do. I totally agree. I totally agree, Tim. Um, obviously, I want to touch on some of the clubs, Demi, before we go into the, in, in, into the questions because we've got absolutely bucket loads. So I, I want to give uh, the public a better chance to ask you some of their amazing questions. But um, obviously, you started in Greece. You came over to the UK. I don't know. This is one of the questions, by the way. So, how did the move to Hartlepool come around? Because it's not a. It wouldn't be a natural progression moving over from Greece to Hartlepool. So, tell us how that came around. I, I don't know. I was in Spain. <laughs> Uh, mind you, I always had the, the bug to play in England. Uh, I was a Peter Michael fan. I was watching my United games and, and him playing, and I wanted to go to England. But I was at Spain. I was training uh, with a, a second division team uh, near Malaga. Lovely weather. I was in a five-star hotel during the preseason, and uh, <laughs> an agent gave me a call. And he said, look, I've got this team from uh, from England, uh, League One, Harlepool. I said, who? Anyway, <laughs> Harlepool. I said, I never heard of them before. Uh, they wanted to they wanted have a look at you. So straight away, I, from getting that call, I jumped on a, on a plane the next morning with the Spanish club looking for me to go to training. Because uh, they came to the hotel, I wasn't there. So I jumped on a plane and never uh, noticed where anyone. I landed in I landed in the Teesside Airport. They picked me up and they put me in a B and B hotel. <laughs> oh, and I remember thinking going from a five star hotel in Spain to the northeast of England in a B and B hotel. I was, I was I remember sitting in the room thinking, What have you done? Who was the, who the manager, Jimmy? Who was the manager at Hartlepool when you when you when you signed? Neil Cooper. Neil Cooper and, and and you know what God rest his soul like he's, he was a he was an amazing amazing fella great great what manager you know what I mean Every, everybody who speaks about Neil has got nothing bad nothing bad to say about the fella you know what I mean he's an absolute legend and hero in the area unbelievable. You know? yeah. unbelievable I remember he was the first man I talked to the training ground when I uh, when my first my first training and I could speak English you know I had my degree in English uh, from school uh, I could speak perfect English. I spoke to him, and he's got heavy Scottish accent, and I couldn't <laughs> understand a single word he was saying. <laughs> I was speaking words here and there, and I was I was just nodding. And then I walked away, thinking there's something wrong with my English. <laughs> <laughs> so say at uh, at uh, Pills, Demi, you know what I mean? You, you've got your Michael Barons, your Richie Humphreys, um, your Effion Williams. Um, yeah, was was Tinks there as well? Um, yeah. you, you, you know what I mean. The, the, uh, Graham Lee. Um, you know what I mean. There's some absolutely excellent footballers who, who, who passed through those times and and give the club some unbelievable opportunities. Obviously, the playoff final against Sheffield Wednesday, I think, at Millennium Stadium. Yeah. You know, some amazing times. And um, how how happy how happy of a time was that in your football career? It was brilliant. I was. Uh, it was. Obviously, a change of scenery for me. 
and a, and a new experience. But I was very lucky to be at a time uh, at this club, at a time that the club was prospering, uh, having that squad of players and that togetherness and uh, that quality. Uh, it made it easier for me to to blend in straight away. The lads were tremendous uh, characters. Uh, the togetherness of the battle was unbelievable. So, yeah, it just made it so easy for me to feel a home straight away. I think uh, I think the group uh, speaks for itself with uh, with with the reunions they have and um, and how close they are as friends. You know, I, mean, I see them all the time. You know that that, that um, quite a few of the players always speak on social media and and have have reunions left, right, and centre and on and PFA dues and things. And it's it's so it's so good to see, so refreshing to see because it's. Um, it just shows the togetherness, how, how, how good of a group they were, how successful they were, and how close they were to achieving something which would have been out of this world for a for a town like Hartlepool. Yeah, 100%. We're still friends together. We're, made, we're friends for life. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the great thing about it. We still talk. We still have a chat room. Uh, we talk every day. Bumper is still the same. <laughs> same. The same jokes go to, to each one of us. You know what I mean? Since so many years ago uh, and uh, still the, the the attitude between each other if we don't see, even if we don't see each other every day it's still it's still the same so yeah that's a, that's a great thing which is important though Jimmy isn't it you know the, the, the team team camaraderie team you know what I mean ethics of a team it just shows how important it is to be a team because yeah, I'm not being disrespectful here, you know what I mean, to anybody, you know, but you look at the Sheffield Wednesday team on paper, the Hartlepool team on paper, you know what I mean, you were so close to achieving greatness against a team who was probably budget-wise just out of this world in comparison to what you lot were. Yeah, it's you know, a big it just difference. Shows, you, you know what I mean, on that day, you know what I mean, the, the size of the clubs, you know, just alone. They shouldn't have been on the same pitch in, ta- in, ta- in, in, in terms of size, but you were so close and so unlucky not to, uh, not to achieve greatness. And it was, uh, eight minutes, eight I, was minutes away. I know, I know. Well, I don't, like, I don't like to keep on reminding you, mate, because I, like, I know how upsetting it is to be uh, to lose those kind of games and it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. But um, Obviously, you left Hartlepool, you signed for, signed for Coventry City. Um, you spent uh, spent three seasons there. You you spent some loan spells at certain clubs before you going back to Greece. Um, but then all, all of a sudden, how did the move to Middlesbrough come around? Um, I uh, I just finished my, my contract for making Athens, which was the second year there. It was a very bad experience because of the trouble that the club was in uh, financially. I was going to say, was that financial? Um, yeah. yeah, players were unpaid for months. You know, for. 18 months. Uh, the, after the first year, which we had a great team and great players, all the players left. Uh, so we replaced them with very young, and inexperienced players uh, to carry that that badge, really, which was is pretty big increase. Uh, so I finished from there. And, uh, I was back here because of my experience from Hartlepool uh, during the summer. And I got a call from um, from Middlesbrough that they were looking because uh, Pezzi, the goalkeeping coach, uh, he knew me. And they had a, an injury. Jason Steele got injured uh, and they needed another keeper, really, for a, for a sh- for short term. So uh, I just, uh, straight away, I, f- I thought it was very convenient for me. It's only Middlesbrough, so it's a big club. So I went in and... Uh, you know, I signed initially for for six months until January, and that turned up six years. How um, 
how happy were those six years? Obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll look at the 2016, what happened, obviously, in a, in a second. But, you know what I mean, running up to that, how, um, how excited were you about the prospect of getting promoted back to the Premier League and, uh, and seeing the kind of players that were coming in? And, obviously, the managers came and, came and went as well. So, how much of a transition were the club in when you first came? Again, I, was, I think I was lucky uh, enough to be at uh, Middlesbrough at the time that uh, that was happening. And, uh, you know, you could see there was a real desire for the club to go back to that league. The chairman was, uh, was going to back this and we got a, a great manager. Uh, good players started coming in. And, uh, you know, you could see the progression. And it was a matter of time really getting there. And, uh, and that's what happened. I really enjoyed it because uh, I started, I got into the team and then until we got promoted, I was in the team. And even after, uh, in the Premier League, obviously it was a bit frustrating, but then even after the, the next couple of years, I still enjoyed being part because I, I, I spent uh, many years there and it was, they were all exciting and interesting years. Uh, so let's talk about that about that season then. So 2016. So getting, um, you know, what I mean, the the the, the players that had um, like Ramirez, Stuani, uh, Stewie coming back, um, obviously Ben Gibson, um, Ayala. You know, the, the 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 championship players. You know, what I mean, they were Premier League players playing in the championship. You know, what I mean, Stewie came back to do a job to do. A, you know, we've had, Stewie, we've, had, we've had Stewie on the on the show telling us all about, um, especially that season. Um, how enjoyable was it every game and, and, and obviously moving up to the, the final game against Brighton, which was which was some occasion, by the way, to watch it as a fan. Um, but, you know what I mean? Tell us about the season, first and foremost. How, how enjoyable was the season? It was enjoyable uh, and uh, <laughs> some, somewhat st- stressful as, as impression-wise because we, we had the type of favour to go up since the start of the season. So we knew we had to live up to it, and anything less than promotion would would be would be a failure, really. So we, uh, but we were we were good enough uh, mentally wise, good characters in the squad to be able to come on the pitch. And as you know, championship is the one of the most exciting leagues in the world and unpredictable leagues in the world. It's tough to get out of the championship, no matter how how good. Uh, the team you've got, we've seen in the past many teams. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, it showed how mentally strong we were because we had our ups and downs. We had a, definitely had a, some downs through the season, but we managed to always not let that sequence extend and uh, managed to get back into into winning straight away. And I think that uh, helped us. What was the uh, what was the, what was the standout um, games which you thought? That's a pivotal moment in the in, in the season. Uh, the work uh, we had a run, I think, uh, for way wins, difficult wins um, near sort of Christmas before and after Christmas. Uh, that we we started thinking, yeah, this is it. Because obviously, when you go into second half of the season and uh, you you're still at the top. Then after that you start see, seeing the, the line at the end of the tunnel, and that gives you an extra extra push, really. Um, but I think the the game that showed us what we could do was the the win at Brighton, at Brighton 
they were unbeaten in about yeah. 20 world games. Yeah. Uh, and we went there and we just played them out. Bloom, out of bloom, away, bloom away. Yeah, was a was that a Saturday early kickoff? Wasn't it a Saturday morning game? Yeah, three 0 yeah. uh, and it was tremendous performance. From that on, I thought, you know, we do, we do look very, very good for promotion. But obviously, you uh, you obviously had inside information. You seen how, how good the players were playing in training and games, etc. You know, I mean, as a fan, for me, the the moment when I realised it was a, it was more of a reality than it was of a dream was when they played Bolton Wanderers away when uh, Jordan scored those Jordan scored those two late goals to, to to you know I mean that for me was was a, I look back and I think defining moments of a, of a season you know what I mean that that game was probably dead and buried I, 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 as a fan you're watching the game thinking oh, what do we have to do to get promoted you know what I mean it can't go through the playoffs again and all of a sudden you know what I mean and, and that's why they, that's why they spent the money it wasn't just that there was so many games that we actually won at the last minute you know and that showed how how mentally strong we were there was a Adam Forshaw did one. Adam Forshaw did one. The Rebbing game, there was a hot game, the header hole, which was, they were one of the favourites as well to go out. You know, we managed to to beat them the last kick of the game. Considering we had this thing going on on the back seats after the the incident, you know, playing the last 10 games, I think we handled it quite, quite, quite well. I totally agree, and that, and, that, and that brings me into the last game of the season about handling pressure, the expectation. I've never seen a ground uh, with so much buzz as, as it was before the game, during the game, and um, obviously got off to a great start. Um, but then obviously half time came and players regrouped. They regrouped as well, by the way, and they came out second half. And I thought they did okay. I thought they uh, they gave themselves an opportunity to. They needed to win to get promoted, or you know what I mean. So. How talk us through the second half, Jimmy? Because there was a, a moment in the second half when you came out for a cross as well, and you, and, you, and you caught it, and you went down, and that was the moment for me that we were promoted. I know there was still a few minutes left, but how nerve-wracking was that? Was that game for you as a goalkeeper? Uh, it's, it's it's basically um, the whole week, the build-up leading to it. You know, because you read all day in the, the press and all the media the importance of the game and the two hundred million game and. Uh, and you know you can help, but some things think, yeah, please don't mess up in this game. <laughs> Just <don't, laughs> but, but I think you know after you cross that, the white line, the, I think the focus kicks on and you, you just see it as a game. But as you said, it was a tremendous occasion to, to play on. I've never played in a in another game such an atmosphere uh, and the the, the, the the passion. We, we couldn't really communicate with the, with the lads the pitch because of the noise do you know what I mean and it's you could see how much it meant for the whole town this game and obviously managing to get promoted it was like a cup final bigger than a cup final really yeah no I totally agree like, I, I, I said I've been very lucky I went I went to that game I went to Cardiff City when they got promoted against Reading uh, a couple of seasons ago in the last game of the season again and it was they were both exactly the same games, you know. Both finished as a draw. Both got promoted. The, the celebrations after is just inex- inexplainable, you know, because it's, it's relief, it's joy, it's ecstasy, it's 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 to know what's coming. The money, the teams, the 
you know what I mean? It's just it's just amazing, you know, and 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 some of that, that that group of players, Demi, should have been massively proud of because you know what I mean. The, I'm guessing the celebrations, which I've seen all over social media, by the way, were just absolutely ridiculous, and they carried on for weeks and weeks and weeks, and rightly so, by the way, um, because you know what I mean. Players deserve that um, release, let down, and uh, let the hair down, and just enjoy the moment. It was tremendous, yeah. It was, it was for, for for days and days after, obviously before we all left for our holidays. You know, it was a constant celebration, and not just just for us, the whole town. You know, you go on the streets of Middlesbrough, you'd see people on the streets just still, still celebrating and singing and, and all that, and that makes it even more special because you see the the impact that a game uh, has in the whole town and how uplifting it is. Uh, and it's it was, it was a tremendous experience, and I'm, I'm very grateful. To you. Well, I think as, as well being a Middlesbrough fan as well, I think um, 96, 96, 97 season gets gets talked about the first season at the Riverside, Janino, um Cup Finals. Um, but the 2016 season as well gets spoke about in, in, in the same breath because it was such an exciting season. The Aitor Karanka factor, the group of players that had, just the atmosphere in general and the all good feeling around the area because... The, the, I speak about side on regularly that, that Middlesbrough town, Middlesbrough area is rubbish without its football, rubbish without its fans, and and relies on a bit of success because we, we're not inundated with loads of money, we're not inundated with um, with people coming into the area in the draws. Second worst town in the UK. Exactly, you know. So you know what I mean. It just gives it's it's, it's brutal, isn't it? You know what I mean. Basically, that we get tired of that brush, but it's it's everyone grows on about uh, pollution. You know what I mean. But for me, the football saved the area. And when good things happen, we just need to celebrate it and, and enjoy it. And for me, you know what I mean, there's no, there's no better, there's no better thing watching Dimmy excel and you know what I mean, and to, and to and to be friends with him now and to be able to have him on the show and speak about those happy moments is just absolutely fantastic and and is absolutely great, Dimmy. So I really appreciate what you've what, coming on and doing that. We've got loads of questions now. What we're going to finish oh, yeah. this, I me. So loads um, of questions to. So I, I, just, I said I just put a message up and just said, look, guys, I'll get through as as many as I can in the last 10 minutes or so but um obviously some of the stuff we've covered so if we've covered it i'll miss it out uh james costley asked what did uh dimmy think of dave jones even though he was only with us for a short while yeah, as i said he's a he was a i wouldn't say strange just a different <laughs> he's very uh Pratt. very easy going <laughs> and uh, you know relaxed when you first speak to him but uh, I don't know. Someone told me he's a bit of a keep ahead. <laughs> hey, uh, listen. You know, I, mean, I, I I've I, I've never hidden my. Well, I probably should have hidden it, but I didn't hide it. I didn't hide the way that I came across and, and the things I said. But we've all got our opinions on people, Dimmy and, and Dimmy. We could like somebody, and I could not like them, and vice versa. And yeah. we all have our opinions. Football's great. Football's an opinion-based business, and it makes it fascinating. But, um, and I'm still trying to get Dave Jones on the show as well. By the way, I am ready, working I'm ready on that ready, weekly. Ready, ready. Um, just trying to find that right contact to get him on, and I will. Um, Rob, Boyle, uh, Rob Boyle says, uh, "What is Dimi's memories of his Cardiff City debut?" Uh, I still don't think the ball had crossed the line. To be fair, you know, it was a Wolves game against Wolves. Uh, yeah. We're done. We did all right. I, I done all right. The, the full game. There was a cross, and uh, obviously I caught it, but then it, it, I dropped it, and I caught it again. So the lineup from the other side, apparently, saw it crossing the line. I still mm. don't think it, it did because it wasn't VAR, it wasn't 
go online no, technology. Course. It was just uh, obviously that that we ended up drawing the game. It wasn't uh, the best of uh, debuts. Uh, but then at the right, the next uh, couple of games we we won. Uh, yeah, it was a, as I said, it was a, a strange, strange, strange period, strange time for for me because I went there to play games, and all of a sudden, because I made a couple of mistakes, I just went outcasted, uh, yeah, yeah. not in the squad, and it was it was it was strange for me. Uh, but no, that game, yeah, you know, we, we, could, we could have won the game and uh, we didn't, we, we, we drew. You speak about there, Jamie, that there was no VAR, to be fair, goal line technique. They've got it wrong anyway. So yeah, they really yeah, they've got yeah, it wrong. Yeah, doesn't matter. Possibly. Just, yeah, you know I mean, just, just flick a coin now and see if it goes in or not. Yeah. Uh, Richie Thomas asks, uh, what was Jamie's favourite stadium to have played at? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, that's a, good yeah, question. it's a good question. I have to say, obviously, Wembley and the, the Cardiff Stadium was, uh, you know, have to be at the, the top there because of the uh, of the magnitude of the of the, of the grounds and the magnitude of the occasions that are played there. Uh, there was, 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 it, was the roof open, Demi, at the Millennium Stadium in place? Yeah, it was, I think. Uh, partly. Yeah, well, partly. I, I remember I watched, uh, at the time, it was an LDV Vans game. It was Carlisle against Bristol City. My, mate was, my mates were playing for Carlisle at the time. And I went to watch the game and the roof was closed. Um, and the atmosphere was so different, you know what I mean? There wasn't as many people in, but everything was echoey. There was it was it was a warmer atmosphere, yeah. you know. Obviously, the, the roof was open. When I played there. And it was a, it was it was a red hot day, so it was, it's different. But you know, what I mean? just wondered if it was a different feel for uh, with the roof shot because another another atmosphere. great stadium I played in, and it's not even a football stadium, is the New York Jets uh, baseball team in uh, in New York. We were playing with the national team against Ecuador on a friendly. And they they modified the the baseball pitch to make it into a football pitch, and they put some uh, grass on top. But then as you could see at some point it was, was raising like that. Mm. <laughs> Just for the picture, but yeah, the, the, the ankle breaker it was really good, you know, all around. Yeah, the stadiums are good there, and they're high. They've got a good protection on them. I really enjoy watching sports like that. The dressing rooms are massive. The yeah, dressing room, uh, like a pitch, a football pitch, it was like enormous. They're like apartments, aren't they? They're huge. Yeah. Um, James says, uh, "Who's the best centre half that's played in front of you, and uh, who relaxed your nerves the most?" Oh, great question. Though. Yeah, uh, I have to give it to Danny and Gibble, both of them. Uh, not as a pair. Because I knew exactly what they can do each, and they were so good together because they were complementing each other uh, on the different skill sets that they had. Uh, and I, I felt safe playing behind them, and they felt safe with me uh, playing in front of me because we all had the understanding of what each of us can do, and we knew we could cover each other. For example, I knew I, if Danny goes off for a header, there's nine out of ten chances he's going to win it. Uh, and Gibbon knew that and the whole team knew that. And, mm. you know, having a, an atmosphere like that with 
between your defenders and your keeper uh, makes it working uh, properly as a as a unit. Yeah, partnerships are so important to me, aren't they? You know, like I remember um, obviously when 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 Ben left and Daniel was playing with, with Dale Fry, for example, and playing with somebody different. That, that it's hard to get that partnership together when you play when you played with somebody for so long and you've got that you've got that. Um, uniqueness together as a pair it's so hard to then get the same 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 relationship with somebody else it's so so difficult but then fans expect it straight away and all the time it, it takes time you've got to implement something it's got it's going to take time and that's for a, a defensive unit um a fullback and a winger two center forwards two midfielders it's it's it all on the pitch it improves your anticipation throughout the game and how you can read the game because if you know uh, how good is your or teammate in any any situation, you can then you can anticipate things better and read the game better, and that obviously projects through the through the game. Yeah, totally it's agree. Spot on. Totally agree. Uh, Stuart Campbell says, uh, "What oh, level would you compare the Greek Super League with the English leagues?" He's been. Is that some good questions, by the way? Recently, my own banging them in, mate. <laughs> Back of the net every yeah. time. I would say. Look, there's a couple of teams in Greece that I think that could be, uh, you know, top end of the championship. A uh, few teams, uh, but then, you know, the, in, the, in that division in Greece, the, the gap between the good teams and the bad, the bad, the, the less good teams is, is is a lot bigger than it is here in the Premier League and in the. You don't see many upsets very much if you see uh, a game between the. Uh, top of the league, the league team against or someone in the bottom three. You know, nine times out of ten, you know the result. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think a few teams could compete easy, not easy, but it could compete in the championship. Uh, maybe one or two Olympiacos could compete in the, you know, bottom end of the Premier League okay. because they have good players. They, they, they yeah. have the, the ability to bring good players and quality. But they proved yeah. that, Demi, though. I mean, they proved that. They beat Arsenal in the, in the Europa League last year, you know what I mean, quite comfortably yeah. as well at the Emirates, you know what I'm saying? So they've proved yeah, they, that. And it's, it's, it's just about the consistency them, doing it week in, week out. And that's what, that's what the Premier League is, a different animal when it comes midweeks, every week. It's, it's a diff- difficult thing. And that's the sometimes where the Premier League becomes really hard when there's the, the amount of games that they have and the cups thrown in as well, where in different countries, it's more Saturday, Saturday, or Sunday, 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 Sunday. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It becomes difficult. That's a fact. Yeah. Uh, Chris Chris Scythes asked, uh, "What made you sign for Borough?" Well, the fact that it's a. Uh, uh, he wanted. He, wa- he wanted to live. He wanted to live in the second worst place in the world. Uh, <laughs> what did <they> experience? <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but because that first of all, because my wife's from Hallibur. Hallibur is twenty minutes from Middlesbrough, and. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, the fact that Middlesbrough is uh, is a is a big club, you know. And I knew uh, as a club, he had the potential to be all the way the, to to the Premier League. And as soon as he came, as well as being for me convenient to you know to commute uh, to Middlesbrough, then you know it all made sense. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Borough Fan TV asked, "Can you tell us how you got the nickname Big Dave?" <laughs> <laughs> Stuart, Stuart Downing. I don't know why or how he just came in the dressing room one day and he started calling me Big Dave. That I look like Big Dave, the plumber from Hartlepool. <laughs> uh, Stewie's mad though. Stewie just comes out with the most became, random things in the world. 
I think it's became so. I heard it so much that I started hearing the name Dave and turning around to see who it is. <laughs> and an incident that actually happened with in a in a preseason when we were in the Premier League, we were doing a, a, a hard screen test uh, as you do uh, test before the preseason. George Friend was before me, so. The doctor is a, is a doctor. He's, he's got no idea about football, obviously. Uh, so as I walk in to go next, George says to me, "All right, Dave." So I, say, I sit on the bed, and the doctor starts going, "Turn around, Dave. Uh, take a deep breath, Dave." <laughs> and it's not too far from me to tell him that my name is not Dave. It's David. So let him, let him bring it on. <laughs> oh, okay. excellent! I love that. Um. Rob Boyle asks, uh, growing up, who was the keeper you looked up to uh, based on your size? Probably not literally, though. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, my idol was Peter Schmeichel and uh, also Edwin Van der Sar. Uh, there were two keepers that I, would, I was always watching and I could see what I could get or technique-wise because they were, you know, they were they're both big keepers and... Uh, you know, in this position, there's different attributes uh, that you have according to the size. Obviously, the bigger you are, the more things you can improve uh, speed-wise and agility compared to someone who's, uh, who's smaller. Uh, so, yeah, Peter Schmeichel definitely in the Yeah, my son read um, Peter Schmeichel's book, and, and he's it's just incredible, which is incredible that he was interested in reading a book like that at age 13, 14, but like he's obsessed with goalkeeping and he wants to just, and he'll watch the, he doesn't watch any of my shows, but he'll watch this one, I guarantee you, which is, you know, cheers, son. Good lad. Should be watching all of them and subscribing. Right. Um, Gaz asks, I'm going to have to reword this because of the language used. Uh, who is the biggest knobhead you've met in football and why? <laughs> He's got away with words. Uh, Victor Valdez. Oof. What, and why is that? Are you allowed to say? Yeah, of course. It's just about professional for me. Okay. He just, you know, he... You know, he... Um, his attitude was, was bad. If, if you ask... Any of the lads, or even Brad Guzad, Brad, you know, was the same with me. We had great banter, but he wanted to kill him. Uh, yeah, it was a yeah, it was a bad attitude, and it was disappointing because you know I, I was was one of the keepers I was looking up to really for his career and all that, and uh, he he had this attitude of a uh, sort of being bigger than the club, really. Yeah. Uh, and that wasn't very professional. Yeah, and that's a shame that is because obviously you know he was renowned as one of the best keepers in Europe. So you know any goalkeepers around the world are going to want to work with him on a daily basis. So mm -hmm. you know I can imagine that being very disappointing. Uh, so like what else we got? I'm trying to just quickly scoot through these uh, do, 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 do. you don't see many keepers as uh, ex as pundits uh, Dimmy would you fancy a, a, a go at being a pundit on a regular basis uh, I think I could but again as I said earlier I wouldn't be 
I, I, I couldn't be uh, very critical positions that I don't know much about. Uh, you know, I could generally have a have a comment or the general play uh, of, of a team. I could definitely comment and uh, uh, criticize, uh, be critical of goalkeepers in some situations. But if you're not an expert, as I said, I don't think it's it's, it's just an, it's your opinion, but it, it can't be the a valid opinion on the on a subject. I think it's difficult, Misa. You know that 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 when. Um, when the pundits, you know what I mean, like when someone's scoring goals, they want to talk to uh, Michael Owen. You know what I mean. When when a defender makes a mistake, they want to talk to a uh, Jamie Carragher. You know what I mean, or a Micah Richards. And when a referee makes a mistake, they get the referee on. You know, so basically, when a goalkeeper's doing well, they want a, ref- a goalkeeper on. And when a goalkeeper makes mistakes, it's quite it's a difficult thing, isn't it? It's, it's getting oh, it's that brutal. fine balance, and you know what I mean. And, and and like Jimmy just said there, you don't want to come on the show just to be negative about somebody. I remember a game I was watching. It was Liverpool against uh, Tottenham, and uh, Paul Gazaniga was playing because Loris was injured. And Liverpool had literally battered them. Uh, and Gazaniga's made about seven really, really top saves. And I remember after on the halftime, was I think it was Gary Neville was was was. Analyzing, and every time they were showing a save, he was saying, "Oh well, you expect him to make that save, or you know, it's on him." And I was thinking, "Why are you talking about it? They're like seven really, really difficult saves to make. How can you say that? Give me about some credit." And that's yeah. that's why that's why sometimes I get frustrated. Yeah, keepers don't get enough credit, um, and I think for people who don't see uh, maybe the the work that goes into like being a top goalkeeper or being just a, a, a goalkeeper who trains several times a week it's, it's a lot of work and it, it's they don't always get credit for doing not the basics but a bit above the basics very well like it's almost like you'll have like a striker as a pundit and he'll go uh, he, he should be making that save and yeah he should be making that save but it's still a very very good save and I feel like sometimes keepers do not get the credit that they deserve um, well, that goes sad. That, that goes with the go- that goes with the save as well, though, Jimmy, doesn't it? You know that the goalkeepers when they make a mis- when, when they make a save, they're expected to make it. Or well, why are they expected to make it? They make yeah. the save because because they've trained all week for that moment. Yeah, exactly. And you don't you know say that about any other position. Like you don't say yeah. when I don't know a right back does like a really good tackle. You don't say why well, yeah. he should be making that tackle. That's what I mean. Uh, that's what I mean. It's 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 like a, when you don't know about the position what. Also, frustrating sometimes is uh, pundits who are not uh, experts on, uh, on this position. They tend to um, go for the flashy saves. For example, the sea keeper throwing his legs up in the air uh, and tipping the ball over the over the bar. It's a tremendous save. And I, from watching, it, thinking, no, it's not. If the ball is just above his head. He could have done it. He was standing on his feet. Mm. Instead. Yeah. It makes you believe that it's a tremendous save. Well, another one that he made down low, uh, it's much more difficult because the ball, the ball bounced in front of him. And you're yeah. saying they should be making it. And that's what really it's frustrating when uh, being a commentator. I totally agree. Totally agree. 100%. Um, okay, last couple of questions then. Uh, Donna Perry says, can you play any other position other than goalkeepers? Uh, goalkeeper, strikers can be used in midfield, midfielders can be used on the wing. 
where could Gimme be used? Definitely Tiger Man. Have you ever gone up, Jimmy? Have you ever gone up for a, a last minute corner and stuff? Yeah, I did against Fulham and uh, Millersbrook. But I then had to run all the way back and they were good. Have <laughs> <laughs> you ever been close yeah. to scoring as well, though? I had, I had scored a goal. How did you uh, How did you celebrate? 17. I didn't know. I, didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was celebrating the All Star. Remember that the the old style celebration where you're just jumping up in the air with your with your arms up. You don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that was my that, that was my regular celebration. That one. Yeah. I didn't have a clue what I do, and I was expected to score. And he created created that. <laughs> yeah, that's my that celebration. Was my, that, that was my FIFA celebration. And um. This is the last one then. Uh, Rafman Joff says, talk about Thornaby. Right, I, I, yeah. I have no idea what that means, so I'll leave that to you two. <laughs> no, no, Thornaby is a, is, a, is a lower division club, Northern League, which I, uh, I'm i playing currently. And uh, the the chairman is a friend of mine and he asked me to, you know, if, I, if I can help uh, to sort of raise the, the club's profile a little bit and uh, maybe see if we can get out of this league and I said yeah why not so it's, it's a good bunch of lads lads in there and uh, got some quality for for this division and uh, I can see some potential there and if I can I told him if I can I'll, I'll help and I'm enjoying it because I still got the bug of diving around even in at this age uh, so yeah it helps me keep fit so it's all win-win Excellent. I think that's what some, I was going to mention, Sal. You know that, that that I'm not being disrespectful when I say this to Dimmy is, you know, what I mean, to, for for somebody who's Dimmy's age, you know, what I mean, to still be playing at the level he's playing at, you know, that this is a level where it's men's football, but um, he, he will be playing against 17, 16 year old players who are little whippersnappers, you know, and it's and it's it's a credit to people who still have the desire, the, the fitness levels, the appetite to still keep on playing, you know, because it's. Uh, it's not easy, you know. That it's, it's no still ninety minutes of, uh, you know. What I mean, it's 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 a, it's a still as I'm still guessing it's, it's a slog at forty-one that it was at seventeen-year-old. That it's still the same diving around, um, it's still a ninety-minute game, forty-five minutes each way. And it's just uh, it's enjoyable, but it's 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 tough. Oh yes, and I, yeah. I um I said that was the last question, but uh, Mr. Stuart Campbell has just sent in one more question so we're going to let him is... have the last one he says <laughs> would you have saved andy campbell's lob against qpr in the millennium stadium no one was no one was saving that by the way nobody six for six for seven i would have had to, i would have had to put a little bit more on it i would have had to put a lot more on it chris day was a chris day was a midget compared to you Jimmy. <laughs> I'm 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 renowned for my position as kid, so I think my position is better. There you go. I'd have took, took it round him. <laughs> Probably. I'd have got a penalty, got him sent off, and then, yeah. missed, and, and then missed a penalty. So win-win. <laughs> Amazing, right? Uh, big thank you to everyone who's tuned in and asked questions. Loads and loads of comments tonight. It's been uh, it's been good fun. Dimmy, of course. Thank you very much for joining us, yeah. mate. Cracker, really man. appreciate uh, your honesty and your time. It's been uh, it's been really interesting to chat to you, and of course, Mr. Campbell, thank you as ever. Um, I'd also like to say a quick thank you to uh, all the new subscribers over the weekend. Right over over nine hundred on uh, YouTube now, as we're itching towards one thousand. So it'd be nice if we could uh, get up to that thousand mark, which was one of the the long term long term 
goals when we started the channel. Um, big thank you to Black Diamond Sports and Bespoke Financial for sponsoring the show, of course. And um, if you have time, check out episode one of uh, Mental Health in Sport, series two, which dropped yesterday on the channel with Keith Gillespie, ex-Manchester United and Newcastle winger. Next Sunday, 8 o'clock, episode two, with none other than ex-Cardiff City striker, Mr. Andy Campbell, is uh, dropping Sunday, 8 o'clock. So uh, check that out. It's going to be a, an interesting show and obviously a very, very important subject. The, uh, the feedback's been amazing. Thank you for all the messages. And um, lastly, to finish us off, Garen Cole says, any chance of a triple Ayatollah to finish us off? Let's go for it. Here we go. There we go. Screenshot that. There's my screenshot, that one. That's my yes, screenshot. Yes, indeed. Um, again, thank you to everyone. Jimmy, Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. And, it's, been, uh, it's been amazing. Jimmy, thanks for your time, mate. It's been, uh, it's been a cracking show. Really, really appreciate I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, lads. Very good Jimmy. to be here. Top man. Thanks, mate. And uh, we'll be back Friday, 7 o'clock, for the Championship Show. Join us. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my Auntie Louise told mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if mummy or daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so it wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and mummy and daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. Network.